Hello, Jonathan. Welcome to Urban Awakening. Namaste. How are you? <laughs> I'm doing great, brother. Um, thank you for um, joining us for today's first uh, live podcast. And um, yeah, excited to have you. And it's been a, a very lots of expectation to hear your story. Thank you. It's an honor to be here. Didn't know I'm the first speaker, but uh, I'm super stoked for that. And I wish you luck on this uh, new episode and this think- podcast. Thank you very much. Um, so just um, this, uh, this podcast is all about exploring life through movement. So before we get into the action, why don't you just uh, tell me a little bit about uh, your background and, and yeah. Yeah, well, uh, I was born in Israel in uh, what I consider the best year ever, 1988, as it has the double A. <laughs> and um, I was always kind of uh, physical. My father was a sailor and uh, and journalist, but uh, he used to love being in the ocean. And my mother was a yoga teacher and an artist. So I kind of find myself a lot. Uh, actually, the first memory I have is people uh, upside down on their head since before I could even walk. So I think I was like one year old and I was thinking to myself, two things. One is these people are crazy. What are they doing? But also kind of like, I'll probably also do that one day. (laughs) (laughs) That's my first memory. And I started surfing at the age of of nine. And since that moment, basically I lost interest completely in school and all I wanted to do and improve and create my lifestyle around surfing. And then later on, a few years later, that I was kind of struggling in school Uh for my bar mitzvah trip, we went to Costa Rica. Me, my parents, my brother, and my best friend, who was also a surfer. And we spent there two months in Costa Rica, which was like a mind-blowing experience. Like for the first time, surfing real waves, not Mm -hmm. Mediterranean ocean waves. Yeah. And our experiences with the animals, hearing monkeys at night, screaming and uh, seeing uh, huge uh, toucan birds in the middle of the street when we stopped to, to pee down the road by a waterfall. It was just like life-changing. And, since, and uh, since... surf, surfing was a pivotal event in your life, right? Because uh, you wrote the book, The Never-Ending Wave. Yeah, yeah. That, that was the, fir- the first chapter of my book begins in this, uh, uh-huh. in this trip in Costa Rica. And because after Costa Rica, I kept on traveling on and on and on to Sri Lanka, Indonesia, Mexico, Bahamas, uh, Canary Islands, Morocco, Maldives, and to some of these places multiple times and multiple months. Yeah, so since that experience in Costa Rica, I just couldn't go back to school. And uh, my parents were supportive after a long time of me struggling and trying to convince them and what age was when when did you decide to leave school like 14 year old 14 and a half yeah but i i I kind of lost interest and stopped learning since i started surfing when i was 10 i just Mm -hmm. used to go to school and just kept doing what i had to do like the math english learn how to read and write and and play with friends but uh, yeah i was never into 
the science and all this stuff. Just just okay. about fun. Yeah, and then in Costa Rica, I I stayed by myself there. After one month and a half, everybody went back, and I wanted to stay there. My plan was to stay there for to live there, but actually. After two weeks, I kind of got lonely and missed my parents and cried at night for the first time in a long time back then. And I wanted to go back to Israel, to mommy. To mommy and I yeah. did. Yeah, and I did go back. And then it took me a few more months until I got out of Israel. And since then, I, I kind of knew not to do that mistake of uh, going back home because you miss home. Mm-hmm. But this mistake keeps happening to to me as a surfer and I think to everyone, like you travel and like you miss home and you go back and they're like, why did I go back? Why did I go back? Yeah, I, I feel that. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I've been there. Um, so surfing, that was a movement with nature that was expanding your awareness, your consciousness and, and exploring the world, right? Even though sometimes you would go back home, it, it, was, it kept you calling to live out there and live your own dream, I guess. It did, it did, but uh, I was thinking about this yesterday, that surfing has a lot of elements to it. It has like the, the acrobatic elements, which is like hitting the wave, doing maneuvers. It's kind of like an acrobatic thing to do. And surfing the waves, drawing the lines up and down, figure eight, circles. It's kind of like the dance layer or yeah, moving in space. And it has also the martial art layer which is you're sometimes in a battle against other surfers, against the ocean, yeah. against yourself, uh, against the sun, against the, the current, the waves and everything. Yeah, I, I always and, say that the surfing is probably the hardest uh, sport I've ever tried. You're, you're with so many elements. It's not just one thing. It's like multiple elements at the same time. Yeah. Yeah, it's like swimmers. They think they can catch a wave easy because they... They can swim well, but once you're on a surfboard and also it, they have nothing, they not, know nothing about the timing of when to paddle and when to stand up. So it definitely takes time to, mm-hmm. to calibrate and uh, it's unique. It's like mm-hmm. it gives you a lot to other stuff, but I think you can do other stuff which won't give you much for, for surfing. Um, and of course, the surfing has the... Also, like you said, the, the spiritual connecting with the ocean and with yourself. But, but this, is, this is tricky because it also has lots of ego. Like you can go surf by yourself and be super peaceful and breathe and wait for the waves. And then suddenly a surfer comes and paddles for a wave and he doesn't get the wave. And the first thing you hear him say is like, puta madre. And I was like, mm-hmm. Wow different energy like what the <laughs> fuck <laughs> so it can be it can be anything like everything and for me it took me many years like in the beginning it was all about the ego just like catching bigger waves uh, being the best surfer whoever doesn't know how to surf is he's not even worth my time talking to him yeah it took me many years of to humble myself until i kind of met for the first time someone who was a bad surfer and i met him on on earth like on the land and he was super nice and helped Mm -hmm. me with lots of stuff and i was like wow maybe i shouldn't judge people by the way they surf no (laughs) (laughs) uh okay and um so you also i in your book you also talk about yoga how did uh, yoga uh, 
form be part of your life or how did it uh, what did it give you or take from you um it gave me i'm not sure what it gave me because what it supposedly gave me it's maybe it still is in the process of giving me right like finding this inner peace and all that um i started doing yoga because i asked all the friends like what should i do to improve to improve in my surfing and they were like you should do yoga they never done yoga by the way until this day they never done yoga but that's <laughs> what they said anyway that's what made me start to go to yoga lessons with my mom and she was just doing the ashtanga yoga teachers training course i was 14 back then and every tuesday instead of going to school i went with her to her her school like wow. to a full immersion day of yoga ashtanga so, wow ashtanga for ashtanga. that was that was powerful <laughs> Yeah, and uh, because I had the surfing and I'm naturally flexible, so like I did everything, you know, like all the hard stuff was not super easy, but I was able to do it. And 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 then when I went to Sri Lanka at the age of 15, my mom gave me this little yoga book, which I took with me, a simple book with postures. It was in Hebrew. I could read it and I just did random stuff and practiced it. And, and over there in Sri Lanka, I... I looked for yoga teachers and I found a few, which with some I had good experiences and with some I had uh, bad experiences. And since then I was kind of like on this engagement of always finding teachers. But the problem was I was always searching for yoga teachers. So I went from one type of yoga to another type of yoga, like from Shivananda, which was where I got certified eventually till and many many types of yoga like anything you can imagine hot yoga bikram yoga ayanga yoga and all that and what it took from me is it took from me a little bit of my health actually and because mm -hmm. i'm naturally flexible and in yoga in the stretching uh, aspect of yoga they have no awareness of active stretching or mm -hmm. of strengthening the the tendons and the ligaments and the connecting muscles of the joints and so so it, it did it did cause me some harm that i'm still kind of feeling in my shoulders and in my knees but it also gave me a lot of uh, a lot of awareness in my body like to know like like until today i can do most mm -hmm. yoga poses which which i won't do i can do the lotus i won't do it because but i can or and it kept my spine kind of healthy it kept my bones uh, and soft. I feel like in my in my body, I'm I was able to to keep soft and to a certain point. Since I started my movement training and uh, being guided by Ido Portal, so all the all the good things that I had were taken to another another dimension, another level of softness and control of the body and, and awareness and and all the things that were weak and needed to be strengthened were suddenly shed light on like for the first time i realized wow maybe i don't need to loosen up this screw anymore maybe i need to tighten up this mm -hmm. screw and uh that's something uh i was waiting to mention that you are uh, your teacher ido portal he's you're a direct student of him right yeah i'm part of the mentorship student uh, mm -hmm. mentorship mentorship group and i've been studying with him for um for three, four years, kind of full on. 
seeing him a few times a year and training. And how how was that? How was when was the first time you heard about Ido Portal? I was in a in my first acro yoga. Because I was gonna say that you were like full in yoga, uh, like acro yoga, fun, thai massage, fun, playing yeah. the guitar, and suddenly something happened, right? Yeah, yeah, but it took time, you know. Not many people know this story actually, but I was in. I was like blown away by acro yoga. I was like in love with it and was because it was different than yoga. It had some acrobatics to it. I was like, wow, this is the thing, you know, it's not yoga, it's acro yoga. Acro yoga. Yoga and acrobatics. And and in one of the courses I met this guy called Oad and he he kind of we were good friends and we had good connection and he was like, wow, man, you would really love this uh, Ido Portal method uh, that He's a teaching in the park in Tel Aviv. He was talking about the classes of Roy who was teaching. Mm. And I was like, yeah, yeah, whatever. But I was kind of like, couldn't, wasn't really ready to hear anything. And then he showed me some, some movements. He showed me some like challenging stuff, uh, like the pistol squat or the dragon squat, which is like, like the pistol squat, which is you stand on one leg and you bring the other leg from behind the standing leg and you basically do a one leg squat so he showed me this kind of stuff and i was like couldn't do them super easily so it was challenging and i was like wow yeah yeah i'll go check it out if there's something that i find challenging i'm immediately attracted to it and then i went to a few classes like to two classes and it was amazing i met rory and liav which was uh, teaching with uh, rory back then and it was an amazing experience like they put me there to do like chest to wall handstands and ring work and locomotion work which is all this like ground movement patterns and scapula push-ups and all these wrist drills and i didn't know anything and it, it was felt amazing it felt like this is really strengthening me mm -hmm. this is like it feels good to move like the way they were doing and i had already my ticket for two weeks later to go to to mexico to do my acro yoga teachers training okay. course which is where i met my wife uh, which took me to kind of i forgot about all that good experiences mm -hmm. in Ruiz's class so didn't forget it was always in the back of my head and it was always with me i was still kind of practicing it but it, it stalled it stalled mm -hmm. the process but that was back in 2012 2012 okay. yeah 2011 so it took me a few more years of like being in a full-on hippie acro yoga uh, touring with my wife you know like doing random acro yoga shows everywhere making money in the streets and uh, teaching giving workshops of acro yoga thai massage and uh, african dance that was our triple triple workshop mariana and you were even about to start your own um... An amazing Uh, you were about to st uh, to create your own yoga style, right? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I was I was writing a yoga book, which uh, who knows where it is, but it probably will be beneficial for some people if I'll pull it out one day. Uh, I was going to start also a new yoga type, like my type of yoga, which is basically I called it Nado Yoga, which is uh, Nada and Todo, nothing and everything. Nothing and everything, yeah, nada todo. And also the nado, I was like playing with the words and it meant uh, 
nourishment and divine orientation. <laughs> you would <Wow>. love that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And then I, I got taken, uh, taken to a different path, to a path of kind of less thinking about this kind of word, divine or whatever, and just started to, to train. Uh, since, I, since I kind of started to read those old blogs, I started implementing some of his exercises and, and training, and it just, it just took over. Training took over everything I, I thought I knew and, and still is. But now, um, I know for you, because I've trained with you, uh, I know that for you, training doesn't entail what most people have in mind in training. Maybe you can sh shine some light on how you train due to Edo's portal technique and method and mentality. It's not a couple hours, right? Yeah, yeah, we have some hours. Uh, we have a few, a few years to explain that. No, just kidding. The most... The most uh... The most difficult part of, of the training, uh, we all say it, like, uh, is explaining what we do. It needs to be experienced, it needs to be practiced, and, and it needs to be implemented in order to kind of get the results and to realizing where it can take you. You don't understand what it is in one lesson, because mm -hmm. uh, the lesson I give is always... Uh, based on a process that I'm taking my students through a few weeks. And that is also part of a bigger picture that where do I want to bring my students in one year and where do we want to be in a few years, which is to be a practitioner. Like it's all not about becoming to do the middle splits, for example, or to do the muscle up or, or to do this thing or to do an acrobatic move. It's, it's, it's about becoming a practitioner. A practitioner, right? That, that's the difference between working out and practicing the movement culture you guys do. Yeah, and it's not also the practice. It has many, many layers, many, many different uh, elements. Like I said earlier, I was talking about surfing has the acrobatic layer. Surfing has the dance layer. It has the, the somatic layer, the internal practice, and the martial arts layer, and the object manipulation. So these are the five pillars that, Like when I try or to explain what is movement, this is how Ido puts it out. Or there's many ways he puts it out. Every time he he can say something that is different, but this is something that is kind of universal to explain what is movement. What is the practice of movement? Mm -hmm. Well, first of all, we need to understand what it's not. It's not about aesthetics. It's not about uh, developing muscle A or muscle B. It's about creating a body that can do Anything that it wants, anything that it is capable of, you don't have legs, okay, you can still do anything you can do without the legs. Or you don't have one arm, you can still, you can still practice movement. You don't have, um, you cannot hear, you cannot see, you can still practice movement. It's not that you need this or that to, to practice movement. Mm -hmm. You need to have a body and you need to be willing to learn and to be a beginner constantly and and to be there put the time to put the effort mm -hmm. so Ido explains the five pillars as um, what is the practice of movement it has the elements from the martial arts world from the acrobatic world from the dance world 
from object manipulation, which is anything to do with like playing with an object. It can be tennis balls or sticks or, or a partner or anything. And the somatic layer, which is stopping or meditating or breathing, internal practice. So okay. it's kind of the yin of the yang. Okay. Also, a, mov- a movement practice needs to have a stillness practice. Stillness. Mm-hmm. And um, most of our listeners for the podcast are, are young adults, 25 to 35, that are looking maybe for a way to implement discipline and to uh, give them some uh, inner strength. Um, how did movement uh, change your life in these aspects regarding discipline, inner strength, and maybe like one focused attention? Or... Yeah, yeah. Um, I was very, very fortunate to to have a direct relationship with, with Ido, so and, and with Rory, uh, all these people. So when, when you have amazing teachers, they, they make you do things you thought were impossible. And when that happens, you get the motivation and you want to continue. Uh, if you don't have a teacher, uh, you need to find a process to make you do something you, you didn't think you can do. Uh, maybe you can just convince yourself or just start doing something every day or 20 minutes, something like juggling, for example. You cannot juggle every day, 20 minutes. Try, try to work on it. Mm-hmm. Uh, you, need to, you need to have a process, but, but taking something simple, yet you cannot do, and then doing it every day. And then you achieve it, and then you look for something new. And by accomplishing these small little tasks, or big tasks also later on, you, you, start, you start this journey of... of of looking to do things that are impossible, make the impossible possible. This is a big thing in the movement practice through the concept of adaptation, through the letting the brain uh, adapt to the circumstances and the body also uh, learn to become better at what it is you are making it do repetitively. So we must, we must uh, challenge ourselves and we must kind of like just sometimes if you don't have someone to, to slap you in the face or to kick you in the butt to start moving, just go somewhere high, not too high. Yeah, don't kill yourself, but go somewhere high, be there and contemplate about life for like 10 minutes and, and then go down and start, start doing something, start mm-hmm. moving. Okay. And um, how would you say your perspective on life has changed? Through, since you changed, because you've always been moving, but since you became a practitioner of movement. Yeah, it's um, the orientation. The orientation became less about fun. It's like in the aqua yoga days or in the surfing days, it was just kind of like, yeah, whatever, eat what I want, uh, do what I want. Uh, like freedom for me, the motto was freedom. My name, my nickname was Freedom. Like on Facebook, I changed my name to Jonathan Fletcher Love and stuff like that, you know. (laughs) (laughs) And and it changed to more kind of practical and also realizing there's there's also darkness. Like I see you now in the screen, I see you in the middle, but on the top, 
and at the bottom of the screen there is a dark part like mm-hmm. a lot mm-hmm. so i can choose not to see it but i can also choose to to see it and mm-hmm. and with that kind of move on and with a more mature way and they're both they're both good but i didn't see the darkness or oh, mm-hmm. i always kind of whenever something bad happened to me i said yeah but it could have been worse that could have happened which was what kept me in this uh, childish playful happy way which i still am and i still try but i'm not 18 years old anymore so some of it was lost and i'm learning to to accept it mm-hmm. like i cannot be only happy i cannot look only for freedom and also realizing that and embracing the the darkness sometimes sometimes being sad sometimes being angry sometimes being judgmental like it's all part of us and mm-hmm. just i stopped trying to to hide things and to put stuff under the carpet just whatever i am today it's all good and also it's all good but i keep towards where i want to go which is mm-hmm. to practice many hours a day to keep challenging myself to to teach um to also dedicate some time to do things that i love like i'll tell you a secret cause mm-hmm. yeah? yesterday in the beach i went with mariana my wife and i swear to god we did acro yoga oh, we wow. did acro yoga you know you know when was the last time we did something like that like i don't know maybe a few a few years but oh. we we do we do it every every few months like will uh, you know she'll base me and do some therapeutic flying or I'll base her do some acrobatic stuff for 5 10 minutes not not for too long cuz fucks <laughs> up my back but like you know we 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 can still do I can still go surfing once in a while it's not like mm-hmm. I just train and uh, yeah I train many hours a day but I also still there's 24 hours during the day so I I allow myself to have a few hours also that I do what i love or mm-hmm. what is what is fun and 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 training also it's i also realize like sometimes it's hard but this is really what i love mm-hmm. like, you know waking up here in mexico it's now nine o'clock i woke up at six we went to the palapa me mariana and uh, two other students close students we meditated already for half an hour then we then we did some spine work for like 20 minutes then then uh, they did some handstands i i did also a few handstands and stuff like that and and i had an orange juice and so like starting the morning like this you know like yeah there's there's nothing there's nothing better not anyone can do it yeah there's work there's there's stuff but but i think everyone can at least do 20 minutes you know like i don't know meditate for 10 minutes and do 5 minutes of uh, some handstands with the wall yeah if you don't know how to do a handstand just just be upside down and and then uh, do some squats some hangings and slowly also learn how to improve this stuff that you're doing by more specific exercises this But is anyone can dedicate this is something we always we um we always emphasize in our retreats having a morning practice it changes mm-hmm. everything you know it, like instead of waking up and looking at the cell phone and walking like a zombie to do whatever you do wake up get connected do something fun challenging and then then the day starts i believe 
for sure, for sure. The day is different. The day is different after you, yeah. And it's also different if, like you say, you just wake up, take the cell phone and spend an hour there. Damn, that's a bad day. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And um, it happens to all of us. Yeah, It happens no to all of us. Oh, yeah. It happens. No it keeps happening. <laughs> um, yeah. So you were fortunate enough, as you mentioned before, to be under direct uh, contact with Edo Portal and you spent with him time in, in Berlin. I, I remember you telling me a story about the first time you spent time in Berlin that it was coincidence and you were able to spend two months or something. How was it working and training with, with somebody like Edo? Yeah, three months. Uh, amazing three months. And, you know, Edo... Uh, was really really um, supportive to me since since uh, we started talking on the internet and and since we met he kind of saw that uh, the potential in me of being a practitioner and, mm-hmm. and uh, he invited me to to Berlin to train with him I went with my wife we both trained our daughter was one year and four months old or one year and seven months old so we kind of needed to to split the sessions one session I would train and one session Mariana would train or sometimes we both would train and my parents came for one month to help us take care of Gali so we both trained with him like every day all day it was like I don't know I've never done the army but it was maybe <laughs> kind of like you know intense training eight hours a day and and we lived kind of far so we need to cycle there and back so we even had kind of half an hour cycling there. So we need to wake up extra early. And then in the night with our baby who didn't sleep well at that time. Ah, it, was, it was intense, but we were so appreciative of, uh, of the training we were doing and the teaching of Fido and him inviting us that we didn't let any of that uh, affect us. You know, like sometimes Mariana wouldn't sleep at night. She was still breastfeeding and going there to train with the door and used to go to the bouldering gym sometimes or in the parks or go to some some weights and train outdoors in a few different locations and it was it was amazing every training session was just like gold you know mm-hmm. like to finish the sessions go home and write down what we did and so so because i know i still i still didn't go through those notes and well maybe I did a few times but whenever I train with him sometimes I get to see him in in Bulgaria for example as as part of a, a work that he sent me to teach from Ranbir Kapoor he sent me to teach uh, this actor he's working with that he's designing his movement for the next Bollywood movie mm-hmm. and in the end of the month long training of that I trained Ranbir Ido came and I'm training with him. And so still, it's like, it's always, no matter how long I train with him, no matter how long I spend time with him, the next time I will see him, it will be like day one. Like, okay, what we're going to do now? Welcome the unknown. Welcome the unknown. And, and I guess that's what, keeps be... you, that's what keeps you hooked also, right? That it's always a challenge. Like the first time you, uh, you, you knew about Ido, that you knew it was going to be challenging doing those exercises, but that's what keeps you hooked on it, right? Like overcoming your own limitations, your own beliefs, and 
always knowing that there's going to be a new movement, a new perspective about that movement that you can improve and just always do your best, I guess. Yeah, yeah, just do the best, you know. I cannot do more. I cannot do better than the best I can do. And there's always this feeling and thought also, like, it's not good enough, you know. I'm, I'm, not, uh, I'm not practicing enough. I'm not... Uh, I'm not dedicated enough, you know, but like, so these thoughts are kind of like, I guess they are bad thoughts. Yeah. But they also, what keeps me kind of training more and uh, giving my hundred percent and doing the best that I can. Cause every time before I see Ido, you know, he will know how much I trained, you know, he, he, he'll know, uh, he'll know exactly if I trained or not, you know? So, and and we are in this process of like in the mentorship group, you know, just 27 people from around the world and his closest students, which is teaching us three times a year. And each time we dive deeper and deeper and deeper. And the thing with him is that he keeps on training more than all of us. So, mm-hmm. so, so it keeps developing. It, like in the beginning when I joined the mentorship group or when I, before I went to study with it, I was like, okay, I'll be here until I, until I learn everything and then I'll just move on. But yeah, I'm still here cause I'm still learning and uh-huh. still, still, still developing and still growing. And all my life in the past, I was always searching for teachers and I found many teachers, but you know, yoga teachers, they, they can say nice stuff and they can teach you cool stuff, but, it wasn't movement, you know. Maybe, maybe if I would stay in the in the ashram in the Bahamas, I would, I would be a, a, a brahmacharya. Now I would be a monk, and I would have a super clean mind. Probably not, but I would like be a good meditator. But I wouldn't move move good. So in this practice, it's it's really it's about moving better, moving and by better. the practice of moving, also having a better life and just being. Being in life, it's not even about having a better life because life is whatever it is. Mm-hmm. But moving better is something practical. It's something I can deeply connect to. And, mm-hmm. and I think people also, this is what they want to do. They want to learn to move better. And I have students who are over 70 years old and they are the most content. I'm not teaching them acrobatics. I'm not teaching them handstands. But... Uh, the thing that they are doing and the way it helps their shoulders and their, their spine and to get up and down from the floor, they're just, they're so happy, you know? So mm-hmm. it's, and I have a 10 year old student who is a girl mm-hmm. who is going to be an amazing surfer. She is an amazing surfer and she's like super talented. You know, she can like sleep in the split in oh, whatever wow. split that you choose. And, mm-hmm. and yeah, so we're working on different stuff and they're both together in the same class. Mm. So, you live in Mexico, Puerto Escondido, correct? Yeah. And there you have a movement academy. Uh, what would you call your, your center? Well, in, in, in Facebook, the page is called, and on Instagram, it's called Movement Puerto Escondido. Movement Puerto Escondido, and, yeah. Yeah, I don't know if it's an academy. Academy. It's just kind of like a, a training space, an amazing space with an amazing view. Um, 
with a fine teacher. <laughs> with a fine teacher. I, I, that's, fine that's how teacher. I met you. I was, I was in Puerto Escondido and I had been following Ido for about a year. Uh, watch or more, maybe like yeah, a year and a half watching some of his videos and <clears throat> then with a London Real interview and other short clips, even his website. And, uh, and when I was in Puerto Escondido, somebody told me that this guy, he, he's doing w weird movement stuff. I think that's what you want to do. And, uh -huh. uh, and I called you and you were um, kind enough to make some space for me and my friends, even though you were on your personal training schedule. And, um, and that's when I, I was mind blown. I was, dude, I know how much I can't move, but I know that I could be moving, you know? It just really put me face to face with my limitations, which I created by not moving efficiently or by not moving or just doing repetitive patterns. And I, I, it got me excited. It was, I think, what you've been talking through the uh, interview, uh, this challenging situation that excites you saying like yeah it's gonna be challenging it's like i haven't been to the army either but i know um it, it will feel like something like this that you know you can do it but it's gonna it's gonna cost you something and um it, it was it was it was amazing mind-blowing and it definitely kicked off me, my partners and myself uh perspective on movement and what we want to pursue also on call and movement and that led us to go to the EMM, uh, European Movement Meetup in, uh, in Lisbon, because you invited us to go there with Ido, Odelia, and Shai, and, uh, and it was, and Duri, and it was, um, yeah, it's, it's something, like you were explaining, that you can't explain until you practice. This is something yeah, you can't, yeah. there's no, there's few words, you can, we can give adjectives or whatnot, but until you don't really immerse yourself not in one day of practice but like multiple days with other people moving and experts at their in their craft like Ido and and Shai and Odelia it was it was like I've I never met Bruce Lee but this is something along along those lines and I and suddenly I understood what you've been trying to communicate every day while training in your facility that it's not a one day you're never gonna learn everything keep moving and practice a lot For sure, yeah. It's, this is the best thing, you know. I'm so happy you guys came and uh, you came and Stefano came and a bunch of other students of mine from Australia came. And for me, the best thing is like for real students to not just to keep learning from me, but to, to learn from the source, like to learn from my teachers so that they can realize where it can really go and where we want it to go. And and just to meet these amazing people, you know, like... Uh, They are, people think they are superhuman or whatever, but after meeting them, the first thing you realize is like, they're just so human. They're just normal they're so people. Human. Exactly. They just practice a lot. That's what it was like. It was very, um, it's a very interesting meeting either just because you can see things in movies or in videos and you can always think that they're like special in some sort of way. The difference between most of us and Ido is that Ido has practiced more than all of us together. And he still practices in one day most, more than most people practice throughout their life. <laughs> For sure, yeah. And his, in, in his life, he's probably practicing more than, than what we'll <laughs> practice in a few lifetimes. You know? yeah. Um, yeah, when I was in Israel studying with Rory, 
after the acroyoga teacher's training course, I went back to Israel and I studied more intensively in Roy's facility. So that was when he finally had his facility in Tel Aviv, mm-hmm. his first place where he rented for where he has now. So I was training with, there, with him over there a lot, a lot, a lot, a lot. And I was every day seeing amazing process, amazing progress and getting stronger. And I remember some of the teachers there were like, you got to meet Ido, man. And I was like, yeah, I got, yeah, no, I'm, I'm, I'm okay here. No, I'm, I'm having a great time here, you know, uh, learning from Roy. Like, yeah, I'll meet him when I'll meet him. And uh, they were like, yeah, no, it's something else when you meet Ido. So, oh, yeah. so um, this is why I'm saying you need to find an amazing teacher. You know, it can, it can be Ido or it can be an amazing teacher who teaches you anything. But like someone who has a process, someone yeah, that's offering I, a process. I truly believe in that somebody that has a process and that has done what you're trying to achieve already and can definitely aid you in your own uh, development, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. This is, but when we talk about movement, like, you know, not, not some movements, but movement itself. Mm-hmm. So definitely, definitely you should learn from Ido or one of uh, his mentorship students. This is like one thing I can recommend and, and know that I'm sending people with, like, to a good place. Why don't, Other, we, th- why don't you tell us a little bit about your uh, movement, uh, uh, Puerto Escondido? How, like what could somebody expect if they decide to visit you and they want to immerse themselves in um, uh, a movement practice? And they can expect to, everything we talked about, yeah, they can expect to be challenged in many, many different scenarios, but also, you know, the, there's a fine line between being too challenged and being traumatized and being challenged enough and grow. So mm-hmm. it needs to, it's, yeah, it's not just difficult. It's also very, very rewarding. You know, like uh, mm-hmm. when you try to do a coordination task and you cannot do it, but it takes you, you can solve it in five or 10 minutes. Mm-hmm. It feels amazing. And for some people, they don't remember how it feels like for since they were like, I don't know, nine years old or since they learned to ride a bicycle or something like that. Mm-hmm. So constantly, constantly being challenged and rewarded and working hard and, and doing things that you couldn't do a week before. You can also expect um, pain, pain in the body. The muscles are going to hurt. The joints are going to hurt. And later on, they're going to heal themselves and they're going to be stronger. So uh, through, through adaptation, like I said, not too challenging, not, uh, not enough challenging. Also mm-hmm. in the strength training needs to be possible and And also it depends, you know, like if my mom is arriving here in two days, she's going to do some strength work. But uh, I remember, I remember once uh, in Brazil, we went to study with the daughter in Brazil. He invited me and Mariana and my mom came with us to help us take care of my daughter. And we did, after one of the workshops, we went to this beautiful place um, of a friend of ours from, from Rodrigo in Brazil. And we were training and we were doing some strength training and We were doing like, 
you know, we're doing one arm chin-ups variations and uh, handstand push-ups and full range handstand push-ups. And my mom was doing like, it always telling me kind of what to, which exercises to, to give my mom. And she was doing eccentric chin-ups, like just jumping to the top of the chin-up and coming down. And she did push-ups on a stair. So the hands were a bit elevated. It's a bit easier. And she did like five sets or something. And I was going to push her further. And it was like, no, no, that's enough. That's enough. She doesn't do strength training on a regular basis. You don't, you know, you know if she will continue too much, her body will hurt too much tomorrow. Mm-hmm. So, so for me, that was like, yeah, you know, wow. That was like a different side of Fido, which, uh, which also exists, you know, like exists, knowing yeah. also when to say that's enough, you know, for, so different ages, different people. Because uh, uh, you, you can, know, my... you, you said you're, you're training or working with somebody that is 70 years old. Your mom is also training with you. So some people might have the misconception that movement is only doing backflips and, and very like hard uh, things to achieve. Lizard crawls. Yeah, and no, no. For for the older people or for people with the different limitations, you just you need to kind of find what what do they really need, you know? Like uh, my mom, she doesn't need to do a one-arm handstand, but she loves to do handstands. Okay, well, let's do handstands. But also let's work on strengthening the wrist, mm-hmm. and moving the spine, and strengthening the legs and all the low gate positions, kind of like being in the squat and being able to move uh, kind of under the table, you know, move, move underground. Um, maybe some cartwheels. My mom is not the best example. She's old, but she's, she looks like, she's, she looks like my sister. She looks sometimes. like your sister. Yeah. 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 Or, or, or my girlfriend, <laughs> <laughs> but she's, she's in her sixties. And, and also young people they can be challenged you know okay so the body will hurt the next day so what mm-hmm. doesn't matter yeah just I, keep I, on going i remember after after the first day uh we were all um waiting for your call to know if we could go train or not and some of us were like oh if he doesn't call it's okay because my body's pretty destroyed uh but it felt <laughs> good it was this kind of pain that makes you want to do more because you know it's it was created by trying to move as efficient as possible and and definitely like unlocking some issues that may start hurting, but I think this practice helps in in that rehabilitation of of old injuries definitely yeah you you know everybody who goes to the gym like yeah, doing this kind of shitty workouts, just doing pumping the whatever. They, they're tearing some muscles yeah. and then they are reconstructing them and it gets bigger and gets stronger. We don't do that. We, but mm-hmm. the, what we do is also kind of creating some damage in a difficult pathway, like the muscle up transition. It's difficult. You're grinding some muscles and then that, that heals and improves. And then the next time it's a bit easier and then mm-hmm. it becomes possible. We don't do that to have bigger triceps or whatever but we do it to be able to do this specific movement to be able to perform it yeah like it says we don't work on muscles we work on patterns Patterns. so the more patterns you have the more options you have whether it's strength or also flexibility stuff and more importantly what movement patterns you have like how many ways can you 
go down to the floor without using the hands or to sit down or to lie down? How many ways can you do a cartwheel, a simple cartwheel? How many ways can you kick up to a handstand? You know, everybody does a handstand. They have one way, either with the wall or with no wall, the same position. Like, but what about creating options there? Like going to the handstand from the cartwheel, going to the handstand from the macaco, which is like uh, the arch or going to attack handstand uh, million types of handstands and then this is just one thing this is a, a handstand you know what about the arch can you use your arch or can you just do the arch when you warmed up and after you open the shoulders and after you open the spine and after you open the hip flexors and then you can do this one simple arch on the yoga mat and that's it or can you move can you walk with the arch can you go from the squat to the arch from the right side and from the left side can you go down to the arch from the handstand so we want to be able to to move it not only so we can do it so but so we can later on use it in improvisation so you're always looking for new options and new opportunities or new challenges that you can overcome by keep uh, by practicing right i guess yeah i'm looking for for new connections for new, new connections. for new doors in my in my practice i'm looking for new for new options all the time and also So working on what I have, this is very important, not just to look for new movements, new stuff and new stuff and new stuff. Sometimes, you know, you got to say, okay, I got this, I got that. Now let's work with what I have and how can I move with this? You don't, and you don't need that many things. You know, you can move beautifully. You can do a cartwheel beautifully, or you can be an acrobat and you can do a cartwheel with a feet pointed like a pencil and it looks like shit. Mm. So it's just about the softness. It's about, awareness and um what would you say has been your biggest challenge so far has it been all the injuries uh your mind what would you say is your biggest challenge or has been your biggest challenge in, in this new path in this new development um my biggest challenge uh which i overcame and i'm overcoming is is to keep on going to keep on going and to stay dedicated to to my teacher to to one to one type of practice um i don't know if it's really a challenge because it all it was always my challenge you know i was always kind of doing something and uh, stopping it doing something and stopping like mm -hmm. uh, whether it was the guitar uh, whether it's uh, actually no the guitar is one of the things that i kept doing also mm -hmm. surfing and now movement but except surfing and music and the practice of movement anything i ever done i just did it for a little bit and i stopped mm -hmm. so it's a constant challenge for me to kind of stay on the path and uh, and not to to go back to to my past or to to do other stuff that are what i consider now a bit uh, more lower on on the ladder like i'm i'm still climbing so the most challenging part is to keep on being up there in the ladder and to keep climbing and to keep looking for a higher parts in the mountain or in the tree okay and how is um jonathan fletcher out of the movement practice i know that it's something you carry with you everywhere but uh what else is in your life what what new um perspectives you have or what goals do you have in the next months or, or years Well, outside of the movement practice, I am just bones 
and, and skin. I, I fall, I collapse. I'm <laughs> uh, just kidding. The movement. Is I have lots of. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I have lots of. I have lots of projects. Um, maybe a bit too much. You know, I have like a restaurant here, which thankfully I'm not really working in much. I have. Uh, I have my partner who is more in charge of uh, the laboral part, and I have here where I live. I have this uh, hostel or three apartments that I'm renting. Mm-hmm. Uh, I have a wife and I have a daughter. Uh, you know, it's kind of a lot of work to have a daughter. It's also <laughs> takes a lot of time, food and kindergarten and spending time with her. And, and yeah, I have lots of projects, lots of traveling. And most of the traveling I do are because of I travel to to study with Ido or sometimes I study to, to work for him. And there's nothing right now upcoming in the future as far as I know. But I'm just kind of uh, not planning too much because I know anything can happen all the time. Like there can be a job offer, Ido can send me to teach somewhere suddenly or or something can happen in Israel, I need to go there. Actually, I'm going there in February to study mm-hmm. uh, with the mentorship group. We're going to study with Ido for five intensive days. And... Either than that, this is the first time in, in years now that I'm kind of, okay, I'm staying here. Until now, it was always, yeah, I'm going to be here for a few more months and then I will see, I'm going to be here for a few more months and then I'll see. And now I'm kind of, you know, I bought a car a few, a few weeks ago and oh, I'm settling down here. Thank you. I'm opening and offering more, more classes and uh, kind of I've accepted I've accepted me the fact that I'm going to stay here for, for a bit in Porto Escondido. So people can uh, plan on vis- uh, and giving you a visit and training with you. Will your doors be open for serious practitioners or people that want to become serious practitioners? Yeah, they might be. They might be for sure. You just need to, to write me before and be in touch and I need to kind of talk to you and see how long you want to stay, what, and who you are and uh, you know like like with you you mm-hmm. talked to me i had a good connection i i was willing to teach you and and it opened up many doors to to many things and yeah so if someone wants to come study with him with me just talk to me i might say yes i might say no i might give you another recommendation <laughs> but the doors are open to my heart and to my home and to my training hmm. Uh, thank you on behalf of all our listeners that decide to visit you. I would highly recommend that. Um, and I don't know, what else can you tell us about um, where you see yourself right now? Like how, how is life? Is it exciting? Is it uh, how I would like you to share maybe how can somebody get to, to where you are? Because you've been all over the place doing things um, on and off and when I thought about you for this podcast, it was, well, I, I know very few people that have such as we call it strict discipline, but I will say determined discipline. Like mm-hmm. every morning you wake up, you practice, you're a dad, you're a partner, you run your business. Um, because I get this from many people telling me like, Oh, I'm, I'm so busy. I don't have time for this. I don't have time for stillness. I don't have time for a practice. I can work out 10 minutes or something like that. But, um, the, I, w- I want to inspire people to really like break free of their own mental programming saying that you can't do this because you're doing this other thing or really 
in the end realizing that the only thing stopping them from doing anything is themselves because you've been able to overcome that. You could stop, but you keep climbing the ladder because you have a discipline. Can you explain a little bit how this discipline is perhaps? Yeah, you know, um, I think you'll agree with, with, with this. They, they, people say that if you think you don't have time to meditate, so you, that means you need to meditate. And uh, that will make you realize, like, you know, after, even if you meditate 10 minutes in the morning, yeah, it's not like, ah, yeah, I need to meditate, but I don't have time because I don't have one hour. People think you need, mm-hmm. if you want to meditate, you need to meditate for one hour. Just 10 minutes, closing the eyes, listening to the breath, or, you know, putting the hands on the belly, you know, feeling the belly going out and down, just for 10 minutes to stop. And, and then it will make you realize, wow, 10 minutes, it's not, it's not that much of a time. It um, helps me connect more with, with myself, with my breath, uh, with my mind. And, and then that can start opening more doors. Okay, if I had 10 minutes for that, maybe I also have 10 minutes for other things. Or later on, you can make the 10 minutes 15 minutes. But don't be in a hurry. Don't say like, ah, if I don't have half an hour to meditate, then I won't meditate. Just, you know, set yourself goals that are very accessible a few years ago i started to meditate with some people and we did sessions of eight minutes we used to get together and meditate for eight minutes mm-hmm. you know and it's like some people who say that's a joke it's nothing but it's eight more minutes than than zero seconds zero seconds yeah so and to get where i am at I don't know, you know, you, got, you should have left school when you were 14 and started, started to, to study from, from traveling. If you didn't do that in time, then you're fucked. <laughs> I, I still believe they, they, they have, they're on time to quit everything and go traveling. Maybe, maybe yeah. the story will be different. The yeah, if they're privileged, yeah. if they're privileged to, mm-hmm. to have money to buy a flying ticket mm-hmm. and to have food or then they can do it. And if not, yeah, you know, even lend some money. If you've never done it, definitely do it. Do whatever you need to do in order to at least get into debt. At least once in your lifetime, leave everything and go travel for like three months mm-hmm. to somewhere you're scared to go. It can be South America. It can be, uh, for example, I'm scared. Not scared, but I've never gone yet to Australia. I know I must go to Australia because I went to all over the world, but I haven't been to Australia. Mm-hmm. So for me, I got, I got, I'm going to have to go there one day. Mm-hmm. For you guys, you, you didn't go to South America. You didn't go to, to Israel. You didn't go, I don't know, to Hawaii. Go somewhere that kind of challenges you and that is possible mm-hmm. with your current passport. <laughs> yeah. Um, well, also, we're going to be chatting a lot uh, throughout this podcast about how to uh, maybe break free of, uh, of old belief systems, but also how to enhance our experience in this world or how there's different modalities that can help you achieve different states of mind. I know that the movement you guys do gets you in like a heightened state of awareness, right? Like you start connecting with every single fiber of your body and you start becoming more conscious and of your movement patterns. Will you say that is something along those lines? Um... I would say it's kind of like you can't think about it that way, but this is more kind of the people that 
that focus on the feelings of what the movement practice does to them so they can like say that and feel that we focus more on kind of like the practice and along the way we increase the sensitivity we increase also these different states of mind if it's uh, the hormones the endorphins that run through the body but it's definitely not the the main goal look who's here the goal is to is to be at the moment to practice and to work hard to keep being in the journey and to keep developing yourself and to be more patient and and not to look for the to the not to look for the easy path always kind of like mm-hmm. go shoot the arrow aim the arrow where you want to go and then don't move the arrow like set it high and, and follow the arrow. And, and I think that's what most people are afraid of. They're afraid of uh, being challenged, of being uncomfortable and getting out yeah, of their comfort zone. So I think, I think we're just complacent. So we're just complacent with how we think we are and how people or society has told us we are. And they give us even our own limits. And then uh, we're not willing to suffer or to be uncomfortable more than suffering to really to progress, to move on and to keep evolving. It's very sad and uh, it's unfortunate, but uh, you just need to kind of drop the ego. You know, when uh, people come to class, sometimes I say when they open that door and they come and like, yeah, leave the ego outside. Don't like just walk in naked, you know, don't, don't bring the ego with you. And once you drop the ego, then you start to be more accepting of, of, of you know, being uncoordinated. You won't improve your coordination if you don't practice being uncoordinated. If you practice being only or too much uncoordinated, so it will frustrate you and you won't move on. This is why dog gives kind of challenges that are possible. Well, sometimes, sometimes he gives challenges that might be impossible, but it should be a, a limit and a balance between possible and impossible and the amount of time you're going to dedicate to something until you get it. But also Ido says, maybe this will resonate with some people. He says, you don't have the luxury of abandoning a practice until you are good at it. So this is what most people do. They're not good at something, boom, they stop. They go just to what they're good at. If, if that would be me and that was me, all I did was what I was good at. I was good at surfing. I just surfed all my life. Since I started the movement practice, that stopped being me. Now I'm looking. I'm, I, love, I love the moment that I suck at something. Mm-hmm. Like I'm bad at... Uh, juggling tennis balls i became good at it you know i do some of the most hardest things uh, that the mentorship students do with the tennis balls and i was the worst i couldn't juggle i couldn't uh, bounce the ball with my feet you know i was always being chosen last in the football match when i was a kid so kind of going going there not going where you're good but also going where you're bad and I think people who listen to this podcast will, will realize, like, yeah, why, why do I always go where I'm good at? I should also mm-hmm. go where, where I'm not as good, where it feels like I shouldn't be here. Like for my wife, you know, juggling the tennis ball took her a long time and she felt like this is, you know, just you need to be desesperado. How do you say that? Desperate. Yeah, you need to kind of feel desperate. Also, Ido says, if the practice you do doesn't make you want to quit the practice, 
then it's not a lifelong practice. It's not, mm-hmm. it's not like a real practice. Well, I remember practicing you and getting that brain mayo that you call. That uh-huh. is when, when we were doing some coordination or locomotion and I, I would just freeze. But I would freeze and I would be like, wow, I had no idea you could do this. It's possible, but I'm not doing it. Why? Because he's doing it, you know? It just, it just I think it's, like you said, you, you have to drop the ego. It's admitting that you're a lifelong student and that you can always learn and be willing to learn and to fall because if not, there's no learning. Yeah, and just be patient. Patience. Be patient, you know? Mm-hmm. Maybe you understand, okay, I, the body needs to do that. You see me do it, you're like, yeah, of course. But then when you try to do it, the body doesn't do it. You're like, wow, why is it so difficult? So being in that moment and just keep on trying, keep on trying, keep on trying, keep on trying, fail until you fail to fail. Mm-hmm. Um, I want to give our audience some applicable tips that you could share with them. Like if somebody was right now listening to this and saying like, you know, I think I need to uh, step up my game. I want to be challenged and I want to start moving more efficiently and I want to rehabilitate my body or just experience movement. Uh, yeah. what, are, what are some uh, tips or, uh, or progression somebody could take to be able to, to be on a path of movement? Uh, you know, we can start with, uh, with, uh, with the spinal waves or like in those movie, you can find it on YouTube, just search, just move. It's a one hour documentary. So in uh, minute five or 10, as he's teaching there in the class, um, he kind of shows and explains exactly how to do the spinal wave in front of the wall. Like you stand in front of the wall, you touch the nose, then you touch the chin, only the chin. Yeah. Then the chest then the, the, the ribs, then the, the belly button or the belly, and then the hips. Only one of these parts at a time. And then you start to oscillate slowly, slowly. So you just touch each one of these points on the wall. Nose, chin, chest, uh, ribs, belly, hips at a time. And this is how you can start kind of like moving the spine away. It's much better than to start there, to start with the spine than to start, uh, I don't know, doing a handstand or something. So this is the spinal waves. Also very famous is the, the squat challenge and the hanging months challenge that you need to, to hang basically every day. Uh, you build it up. You don't hang uh, for three minutes the first time you try. You can start from 30 seconds or one minute. And if you don't have enough strength to, to hang and with your entire body weight in the air, you can do a partial hang which means putting some weight on the feet and some weight on the hands. This is how I would start with uh, older people or with super weak people. And if you can immediately start with a full hang, yeah. So don't, uh, don't hold back. Start with the full hang and start one minute. You need to reach seven minutes a day for 30 days. This seven is the hanging months challenge. Wow. Okay. Seven minutes a day. But you divide it. You can do okay. two minutes in the morning, two minutes before lunch, two minutes after lunch. Uh, or in the afternoon and one minute before you go to sleep that's it seven minutes okay uh do you um would you say that this whole movement culture has helped you you in your own progress being part of this family knowing that it's like it's a community that's ongoing and it's all over the world so 
yeah, I love it. I've been to four movement camps or three movement camps, I think, and to three EMMs and just seeing how uh, the community is developing, people from around the world, how they're starting to move better, uh, the mentorship group, you know, it's and myself, of course, the journey I, I'm at and the journey of each and every individual in the mentorship group. Like for me, the most important thing right now is um, is to keep on being in the mentorship because the people there are are just amazing. You know, How many like of you are there? Diff- yeah, I think between 27 and 30, mm-hmm. and you know every like we had some people um, getting out of the mentorship group, but we're kind of like 25, 24 people who are, who are solid there. And, and the development of the people there, you know, and the process it is taking us, whether it's uh, in movement or uh, internal practices, like last movement, uh, last mentorship meeting, we did lots of meditation every day and it all kind of like shared with us the, the deeper philosophy of really where it, where it's going because because um, he believes sometimes the limiting factor is not so much it's not the handstand you know the limiting factor is the mind so mm-hmm. um, it was very important for him to 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 teach us deeper parts and of the of, of this practice which is not uh, necessarily movement a or b but it's stillness a and stillness b mm-hmm. Um, when we were in Mexico, um, after one of your classes, we decided to do, um, a ceremony. Uh, Uh would you be be willing to share some of your experience with, with the ceremony? Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Yesterday I talked about it actually. Um, yeah, like you said, everything you said to me before we did it which sounded to me like uh, complete bullshit. By the That's way, uh, this, is, this, is, this is with the ceremony of uh, um, Bufo Alvarius, the ancient medicine from Mexico. And, um, and yeah, Jonathan decided to, to keep exploring movement and the inner movement and venturing into this uh, ceremony hosted in Puerto Escondido. Yeah, yeah. So it sounded like bullshit, most of the things I told you, right? Before yeah, I, 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 I didn't judge what you said. So I didn't, I didn't think to my, but I did kind of think to myself, like you say things like you're going to die and then get reborn, you know, for someone who like me, who didn't do any drug in his life, you know, maybe a few puffs of some weed and I was drunk only once in my life. Yeah. I'm not really a, a drug fanatic. <laughs> so something like that to me, sounds like, come on, man, how can you die and be reborn? But then after, after doing it, um, yeah, that's the, that's the only the description. It's kind of the only description. So, um, yeah, smoking that thing, not knowing what's going to happen, you know, the day before. And I could have read, I could have seen some videos on YouTube about uh, the substance and whatever, but I've decided I don't want to, to know anything. I don't want to see anything. I really trusted you uh, that everything will be okay and that it's going to be an amazing experience and it was uh, that's what it was it was of course it went through the dying part which was which was hell which was diving into 
to my fears, to my uh, doubts, to my uh, to all of my negative stuff inside of me that I've been carrying since I was born or since I was conceived. You know, it's like really intense. All of that running through through my brain in in a split second, and it's so intense that I just faint basically and I don't know collapse fall on the floor not knowing where I am and go through this tunnel of darkness and as I go through this tunnel um, like a huge corridor again this is I think you said this huge corridor with thousands or infinite amount of doors and all the doors just keep opening and opening and opening in light speed and it's just so intense that the brain or you, I, the brain doesn't know how to handle it. And it's scary, like the most scariest thing, experience I've ever had. And once we start to kind of let it go or surrender, all these fears and all this uh, sensation of like, I'm getting crazy, I don't want to be here, what's going on, starts transforming into, into inner peace, and into enlightenment in the highest form ever, ever imaginable. And just being there in stillness with white light and with, uh, with, total, with total serenity and with total happiness also, especially because of all that thing, all the darkness part is over and it transformed itself into something positive and part of, of the, the happiness there is also, I think, the relief of like, okay, I didn't stay there. It's over. It's it was over. just, it was just a moment, and now, and now it's all good. It's mm -hmm. not all good, and then it's from the all good. It's just like it's amazing, and the scale from happiness to one to ten just keeps on going. You know, it reaches a hundred and a thousand, and it's like, what's going on here? <laughs> it just. Uh, mind-blowing mm -hmm. and then and then boom then comes the real moment of silence then comes the real moment of silence and no thinking of fear no thinking of uh, enlightenment just just uh, feeling you know all that the body and of super light light with with no weight with no Yeah, and then waking up, opening the eyes, suddenly seeing you there, you know, it's the, it's the colorful uh, shaman thing, and all the earth and the sand is shaking up and down. That's just uh, amazing. I remember you, even after a few minutes, maybe like 10 minutes, you, you, you did a backflip. So you were, you were super high in life. Yeah, yeah, I woke up like a three-year-old kid as if he sees the sand and the beach for the first time. It was, mm -hmm. it was very exciting and uh, it was like being reborn. Mm -hmm. It was like being reborn again as a child and uh, I connected to my inner child again and remembered like this is who I am. Not just about mm -hmm. playing and having fun and, and enjoying the moment. Mm -hmm. and it, was, it was super cool. Mm -hmm. So basically... Um, I've, I see that we both have the same intention, which is like to awaken this passion in people to, to live their life to the fullest, but not be afraid of commitment, discipline, 
and uh, determination. Um, what if you had to give any uh, advice to anybody, somebody that is a little bit lost, somebody that, might, that is thinking that they need some structure, uh, some words of wisdom from you? Um, I'm trying to think about a good band they can listen to, you know, because who am I to give words of wisdom? Um, yeah, I don't know. I don't know. Just, just uh, remember that any at any moment you can take one breath, and if it's deep enough, and if you are present enough, you can change your mindset in that moment. And also, if you have people around your life who are stressing you or whatever, you know, just remember like your happiness doesn't need to depend on on happiness of other people. Um, yeah, Siddhartha, read Siddhartha. Siddhartha. Mm-hmm. Book Siddhartha. I remember, I remember reading that when I was 15 in, uh, in Sri Lanka. It just came to mind. I don't remember what it's about, but it came up, so it might be good. Siddhartha. Get your copy <laughs> of Siddhartha and read it. And, then we'll share. Ah, and The Never Ending Wave and my book, The Never Ending Wave. The Never Ending Wave, you, which you can get on Amazon. And I'm just going to yeah. read a little bit the description of The Never Ending Wave. Uh, the Never Ending Wave will make you laugh, cry, and above all, appreciate the, gr- the gift of life. Jonathan Fletcher defied convention and abandoned school at the age of 14 to live the dream. Read Jonathan's crazy adventures, seeking the biggest waves, discovering girls, and growing into manhood in Sri Lanka, Costa Rica, Indonesia, Mexico, and the Bahamas, the Canary Islands, and more. It's a rollicking and coming-out-of-age story by a young boy who found the best school in the world around him. Um, we could say that it's almost like a, a summary of uh, of the hero's journey. You left you left home, you went looking for the perfect wave or that never-ending wave, and then you end up finding yourself. Um, yeah, and and it's an evolving thing. So I think um, anybody wanting to learn more about you could should definitely read the book and highly advisable visit uh, Movement Puerto Escondido which we will share the details on our website. Um, thank you very much, Jonathan, for joining us for this uh, episode number two. Thank you. And thank the you. first thank guest you. podcast. And for sharing your own practice, your passion for movement and, and your experience under Ido's uh, mentorship. Um, I'm sure we'll chat again. Hopefully next time it's live, we can sit next to each other and i'm very excited to keep practicing with you yeah it will be after a training session for sure if we'll do that <laughs> for sure cool, uh, cool. Thank yeah you, Jose. thank you very much namaste brother see you okay. soon thank you bro much love